Alright. Well, come on in, everyone. Good morning, good morning. Thank you, Jonathan, for getting us started. It was one of the most, uh, you know, someone looking at me and saying, yeah, we're smoking right now. I was like, oh, what are we doing? That's, it's a good way to start off the morning. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's great to be with you here this morning. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. We'll be getting there in a little while. So uh, if you are new to Scripture, Ephesians is almost in the, all the way in the back of your Bible. And uh, if you use a digital version, well, you can find it even easier. But So Ephesians chapter 4 is where we'll be today. Uh, we're in a series called uh, Ecclesia, which is this word, Greek word that means church. And uh, it's actually called out people. So it's a group of people who've been called out for something. And I was kind of thinking about church and, and back to, for me, when once I really started walking in my faith and, and late in high school, and um, I was involved in a church for the first time that was more than just having to go with my parents. So some of you, maybe your experience was, yeah, I always went, but I didn't want to. And it was when it was kind of first becoming like, oh, I'm going because I want to, and I remember, and I've shared with you some of this story, but I, I was a senior in high school, and someone asked me to help teach a fifth and sixth grade boys Sunday school class. He said, can you help me this week? I was like, oh, sure, why not? So I went in there, and then he, he said, at the end of it, he said, next week, will you teach the lesson for me? And I'll be in there. And I was like, oh, sure, okay, maybe. So I did that, and then after the second week, he said, hey, I'm going to be gone now the rest of the summer, so you got it. <laughs> and that's so if Katie asks you to do anything in kids' ministry, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, it was a very effective way to get me involved. But here's the interesting thing. I never decided, I, I didn't say like, you know, I'd be really good at teaching fifth and sixth grade boys. But I went in there, I started doing it. And then I, I taught all summer because I thought, okay, I'm going off to college in the fall. I'll, I'll hang in, I'll teach these kids. And it just kind of kept developing. It became something that was really something I enjoyed um, what ended up happening, I ended up staying in that area. The junior high director left, and they said, hey, um, you're the only one here. Will you do lead junior high ministry? And so because some of those boys were now in junior high, and that started a ministry career, that was not my plan. It's interesting, though, when I look back, I remember even before I was a Christian, early on in, in my days of even in elementary school, junior high, high school, Every time there's an opportunity to, you know, a lot of them had buddy systems in school where you would go and read to the younger kids or uh, in high school, we used to have a program where we went and helped out in an elementary school. I was involved in drama and, and, and so we went and helped them put on plays and things like that. And I always enjoyed uh, working with younger people and I didn't, you know, I never thought anything of it. I just thought this is something that I actually enjoy doing and I wasn't getting in trouble while doing it. So that was a, an added bonus, I think. And but it was something that God had put in me from the beginning that I never even knew was something unique or special. But so as I got older and all of a sudden I found myself teaching in a Sunday school class in church that I was not prepared to do. I was never trained to do it. It became something that was natural and as I grew in it, I realized how God had been shaping me my whole life, even before walking with him, shaping me for something else. And, and today we're going to look at this idea of the ecclesia, the church, being a called out people, and we're founded and rooted in Christ, but how God has been shaping you for something your whole life. And we want to look at that a little bit and, and explore what does that mean. So some of you, when you walked in today, you saw a join a team, cards on your chairs, and you might have thought, uh-oh, 
Hopefully, uh, it, hopefully they don't ask me to do anything with it. Don't worry. Well, we are. We are going to ask you to do something with it in a little bit. But because we believe that you are made for something. And so we're going to talk about that today. But to get us up to speed, where have we been on this series so far? The first week we looked at the idea of the ecclesia is this, again, a group of people who are called out for something. And we notice a couple things. One, that we're called to center our lives around the person of Jesus. So it's not just a group of people who like to sing songs in the morning. It's not a group of people who vote the same. It's not a group of people who dress the same. It's none of those. It's a group of people who are loyal to Jesus. We give our lives to Christ. That is our foundation. None of those other things are what unite us. We're built on Christ. And the second thing we find is there's also a common mission. That the church actually has a common mission, and, and not just seacoast, but the church across the globe. God is desperately wanting everyone to experience his forgiveness and his love and to be invited into the family of God. That is the mission. Some would say that the church has a mission, but another way to think of it, the old saying is actually it's not that God has a mission for his church, but God has a church for his mission. In other words, he wants to reach this world. He wants people to know him and experience the life that he's designed them for. And he's designed a church, a group of people, to help with that process. So that's what we looked at the first week. And then last week, as we saw that we were built into a spiritual house on mission, last week we looked at what does it look like to live out the, the one another's. Living the one another's of scripture, the love one another, forgive one another, bear with one another. And, and all of it starts to lead towards this unity that was so important to the early church. Paul spoke about it over and over again. So that's kind of where we are. So today we're going to look at now, we're going to be reminded how we're uniquely made by God for the benefit of your own walk with him and also for the benefit of the mission to the world. So that's where we're going. Would you pray with me as we get started? God, we thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the joy of, of turning our hearts to you. And Lord, for some this morning, they may be here and not actually be feeling that joy. Maybe this morning, God, there's this sense of, of how can I sing when there's hurt or pain or things going on. And I pray, Lord, for everyone who's sensing that this morning, would you just meet them in their place? Would you just fill them with your presence and your love? And God, for those who are here this morning and they feel light, they feel just the weight has been taken off and the burden and the chains are set free and they're just experiencing joy this morning, Lord, meet us in that moment too. So wherever we are, God, we want to hear from you today. We know you're present. We ask you to shape and change our hearts. So we give you this time in your name. Amen. All right, so Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to pick it up in verse 7 and, and walk through a few of these verses here today. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, so Ephesians kind of, uh, chapter 4 set, started off, we looked at some of this last week of some of the one another's of how to uh, work and live with one another for unity. Then in verse 7, Paul writes this, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift of Christ's gift to us. So starts off and he says, each one of us, grace was given according to Christ's gift. Now I want you to skip down now to verse 11 because there's a little bit of a parenthesis there. So verse uh, 11, he says, now some of you, for some, he gave to be apostles. 
Some were prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the works of service, for the building up of the church. So here's what Paul, his argument is going now. He talked about, again, the first three chapters of Ephesians was all about your identity and what Christ has done. Chapter four, he starts talking about life together in a church, in the ecclesia. What does that look like? United around Christ, loving one another, bearing with one another. Then he says, each one of you has received Grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Each one of you. So who's excluded in that this morning? Yet none of you. Okay, so everyone has received something. God has gifted something to you according to the measure of Christ's gift. This is the grace he's poured out onto you. And then we find for some he's given you to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists or pastors and teachers. How many of you woke up this morning like, I'm so glad God's gifted me as an apostle. Or yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm walking in my prophet life, my best prophet life now, right here. This is me. And so sometimes we, we read these that, that Paul lists and you think, well, I'm none of those. So I don't know who he's talking about or this is just a church staff or, or something that, let's just skip that part because I'm just a person. I'm none of those. But let me unpack them a little bit because really what we have is this is one of the examples in Scripture of where we see that God has uniquely shaped people. Now, some of these are roles within the church that were being fulfilled, um, and, and we don't always use these terms today, and some would, would say they're a little different, but these existed in the first church. So think of this. It says some are apostles. This is, literally means the sent ones. They're sent to bring the message of the good news or the gospel. We could translate that today. This would be a lot of us who are missionaries, or maybe church planters, or people, some of you who like to start new things, you think, how is God sending me to bring the good news into a new area? Our Spanish language ministry, there'd be one where it takes a little bit of that apostolic idea of how do we bring this message into an area that we're not already doing it. And so we could translate it that way. So for some of you, you, you're entrepreneurial. You're always thinking, how could we do something different? How can we do it better? It could be that God has gifted you in this way. You have prophets. Now, prophets, this isn't the predict the future kind of prophet, okay? This isn't the stand on the corner and say, you know, the world's going to end in in this day. Here's the reason why, and and be ready. But the prophet is someone who proclaims truth, who's declaring God's truth, who's who's sometimes going against. You see how a culture is fighting against us, but here's where God's truth is. And, And you have this natural ability to kind of sort through all the issues and be able to proclaim truth. So prophet is, and some of you have no problem with that, right? You're gifted that way. It's your natural bent. Goes on to say evangelist. That one maybe is a little bit easier to think about because that, that one is about the same. You just have a heart for the lost. Your heart breaks that way. You think that way. You, you're good at having conversations with non-Christians. Some of you, it's just so natural. Others of you, you think of that when you think of people who don't yet believe and you're like, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to do this. But some of you, it's so natural. Now, by the way, this doesn't mean you don't say, well, I'm not gifted as an evangelist, so I'm never going to talk to anyone who doesn't believe. It's not my gift. It's not saying that. What he's saying is some of you have this extra measure of grace poured out that this is just so easy for you. I even was thinking, for me, this one is, I just, I'm more comfortable in that area. Uh, one of the reasons I play basketball uh, throughout the week in our community is, well, one, to stay in shape, because it was really bad during COVID. I, I didn't realize that I noticed not playing basketball. So that was a good reason to play. But the other reason was because I've met so many people who don't yet believe in Jesus. 
And almost every week, almost every time I play, I come, I stay late, and I have a counseling session with somebody. I've been there long enough now where we have open conversations and I can bring faith into these conversations. Now, it's taken several years, but I have people literally come to me with questions. I pray for them. We have this relationship that has started. It's just something that for me is more natural. It just, that doesn't mean I'm better. It just means that's easier for me. Some of these other things are not. Uh, the next one uh, that we have is, is uh, where are we at? Oh, yeah. So you have pastors, some translations would say, she- would say shepherds. The word here for pastor actually is the word shepherd. In fact, most languages, the word for pastor is shepherd. Almost every language, except for English. Uh, in Greek, uh, poema. In Hebrew, it means roe, which is roe is a pastor. It's also a shepherd. And it literally means to watch over. And so the idea of a pastor, in, is, the gift of it, is watching over a flock. So this is someone who kind of has that compassion, has that, he, here's a need, is able to counsel and comfort and watch over and walk alongside people. Some of you do this so much better than me. You're so good at this. You, you just, it's just natural to you. That is a gift. And then teacher, we can see this is clearly communicating and the ability to sort through truth and communicate it. Now, just side note, I want you to know, this isn't talking about a paid church staff, which didn't exist in the first century. This is talking about the church. This is talking about how God has uniquely gifted all of us in different ways, in different roles that actually are for the benefit of the church. I want to, another side note to note is this. None of us are all of these at once. It's interesting that in the modern church, and I'm going to defend my staff for a minute, one of the expectations if you work at church and you have a title pastor is that you are all five of these perfectly. That you are, you are kind of apostolic, you're able to start new things, create new things, and you're good at that, you're good at evangelism, you're good at uh, sorting through and proclaiming truth, and you're, you're the best counselor in the church, you walk alongside people, you're the best teacher. Let me just tell you, if we do all this perfectly, we won't have time to do any of this well at all. And so that's why we need each other, and to give grace to one another and not put the expectation on someone to say, like, why are you not a better evangelist? Like, well, maybe God hasn't gifted you that way. And so this, now he says, this is how you're all gifted in different ways. So I want you to look at the person next to you and say, you are a gift. Come on, tell them, you are a gift. Because you are gifted and you are a gift. You're a gift to the church. Because look at how he goes on. Because you've been gifted for the equipping of the saints. That's all of us. For the works of service and the building up of the church. You are a gift. You've been given gifts and you are a gift for the benefit of one another. That's the truth. It's in scripture. So this morning you're a gift. Uh, I want to take a moment. We're going to invite up one of you who's using her gifts in a way to be a gift. So let's welcome up Judith. Come on up, Judith. Yeah, welcome her up this morning. My guess is you have seen Judith as you come in, and she's probably smiled, waved, maybe even hugged you, all of those things. And so, Judith, thank you for being here. And for My pleasure. Being willing to share. Um, I gave you some prompt questions before, and then I spoke to you this morning, and you already have it all mapped out. So I'm just going to say this. Go ahead. Start sharing with us. 
<laughs> okay, well, good morning, everybody. And I've got my notes. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Is this good volume? If you do that, yeah. So thank you first. This is an honor. I'm also very nervous, <laughs> and this is a first for me. But I was asked to speak today, and I've been thinking about it all week. What do I say? What do I say? I am asked to tell you why I like greeting, why I like volunteering, and encourage you to volunteer also. <laughs> all right? So it's a lot of fun, and you can serve the Lord, and you get out of the house. So you all should sign up. Okay? Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. <laughs> no. No? No. You got to tell them. Tell them? I got to tell you. How far back do I go? Well, don't go all the way back. We don't have time. So I've got to give you a little background, and I hope to share with you my experience with the Holy Spirit and how it has gotten me to where I am and then encourage you to join. So a little backup about me. All my life, I've been a gardener. I love the landscape. I climb trees, I prune, I cut, I hoe, I shovel. I rode a till with Carl, my husband, of 31 years. Always been. I got a green thumb. So I thought about what to say to you today. And I want to tell you, in life, there's a time for everything under heaven, Ecclesiastics. And in life, doors open and doors close. Relationships begin and relationships end. And for me, the last year since August, it's happened very abruptly. And I don't know why, but it hurt me very well, emotionally broken, downtrodden. I seem to have lost everybody I've had relationships with, for whatever reason. And I said to Carl one morning, I said, something's happening. Why is this happening all at once to me? I don't understand it. And then, through Ryan, I came across John 15. Judith. Yes, Lord. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener, and he cuts every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it'll bear even more fruit. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself and love one another. I said, oh, now I got it. So I walk out in the yard. I said, I'm done. I don't want my life anymore. Would you please take it from me? I don't want it. Take it and do with it what you will. Now, I've walked with the Holy Spirit all my life since I was a little girl, but this was true. I'm done. Take my life. And so he did. I made a New Year's resolution this year to walk with the Lord, and I became a member of the church. I have chosen Seacoast Community Church to begin my true walk for the rest of my life with God. And now I realize it's not a New Year's resolution. It's a new life resolution for me. And so we come to greeting. And I kept hearing this voice say, I need you to greet. I need you to greet. You got to go greet. OK. So I sign up. I stand at the door. 
and I greet. <laughs> and I watch everybody, how wonderful it is, how we all congregate, and the joy of seeing everybody talk together. But I'm broken down, and I'm standing there, and he says, keep going. Keep signing up. And so I do. Well, now you know what happens? <laughs> I love it. I look forward to Sundays. Every Friday, I get on my Lenovo laptop, and I get on there, and I think of Felipe, because Felipe is responsible for hospitality, and I've got to help him out. And so I do. And sometimes I sign up for the 9 o'clock service, and sometimes I sign up for the 10.30 service. It's not to sleep in. I get my coffee, cream, no sugar. I see some of you at 9 o'clock, and I want to greet you. Then I know some of you come at 10.30, and I want to greet you too. So I sign up for both. But what am I getting out of this? Strength. You are giving me strength and joy to go into the future. Because I don't know what's going to happen in the future. So I come here, and I make new relationships. I, I'm, I'm meeting new friends. I'm getting strength. I'm getting joy. And it's a new life for me. So I encourage you to join. Check it out. Sign up. I'd be happy to give you my phone number. I'll walk you through the website. because It's kind of confusing at first. We'll do it together. Or just come sit with me or stand with me at the door, and let's greet together. It's fun. You'll enjoy it. What you get out of it, though, is something you'll have to find out for yourself. But for me, that's what it's done. The Holy Spirit has moved me in this direction. The Lord has spoken to me, and I'm very happy to make Seacoast my new life resolution. In conclusion, the fourth quarter is coming, and I don't mean football. <laughs> I mean pumpkins, turkey, and Christmas trees. And I have been at Seacoast long enough to see that the church puts on lovely events, but we can't do it alone. We need your help. So sign up, join, join with me. Let's get to know each other. Please come to the August 28th luncheon for volunteers. Check it out. Finally, I leave you with Galatians 6. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest in what we do so do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Thanks. Thank you, Judith. Oh, man. <laughs> You're nervous? <laughs> Thank you. Very clear. See, I didn't have to ask any questions. But what I love is that when we talked, it's just the joy. And as, as you walked in, hopefully you've ex experienced just the joy on, on her face as you come and help. Thank you that it makes a difference in people's lives. So thank you for using your unique gift. We see here in Ephesians chapter 4, the first thing that we learn is that you are uniquely and wonderfully made. That Jesus has gifted you uniquely. David wrote this in Psalm 139, verse 14. He said, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. See, when God has made you who you are, it wasn't on accident that you are uniquely and wonderfully made. You are a gift. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4. 
As we look down and, and we continue to go, he says this in, in verse 12. Why are we gifted for the equipping of the saints, for the works of service, for the building of the church? So the next thing we learn is that you are equipped to build God's church. We're gifted to build God's church. Now you might think, well, what's the significance of that? Why, why am I, that, is that what the only thing I'm here for? No, this is our walk. This is our discipleship. But you are gifted to equip and to build up God's church. You have a role that makes a difference. And never feel like you're insignificant or what you have to offer doesn't matter. It totally matters. A couple weeks ago, my wife had a surgery and, um, so I've been home helping her kind of recover, and, and especially the first week. And what has been really cool is so many of you said, hey, can we bring over a meal? Can we help out? And, and you know, my, my boys are a little bit older. I love to cook. Actually, that for me is like, well, sure, but I don't really need it. But we said, yes, yeah, well, you can help us. And it was a huge blessing. I didn't realize how much I needed it. We even had a couple people from our life group said, we want to come over and help clean the, your downstairs. And then, you know, when you have someone, I, some of you have cleaners, I, I didn't realize, but when you have a cleaner coming over, you have to clean first, right, before they get there. So, <laughs> you know, that's very vulnerable when they, you're going to clean our house. Oh, you're going to see the way I've been living, and my wife is upstairs. She doesn't get to see what we're doing down there. Anyway, so, but it was such a blessing. A couple of people from our life group came over, and, and, and I thought, well, we clean. We keep it up. But they said, no, we really want to come and do this and to let them come. And it was such a blessing. In fact, when they left, I was like, I didn't know the coffee pot was this color. That's amazing. It, they cleaned things I didn't know you cleaned. So anyway, but, but when the church loves, when the, and, and you think, well, that's you, Ryan. That wasn't anything. But you know what it did? It freed me up to care for Sarah. And then it gave me the time that I needed than to focus on, okay, I have a message coming up. I have a few things in work. But I wasn't distracted the entire week. It was their gifting. They said, this is a joy for us. So thank you for, there's one from our life group this here who did it, for coming over. And that was building the church, serving one another. It was such a blessing. So you are a gift, and you're gifted to build the church. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 through 6, I have, or verse 5 and 6. I have it on the screen for you. It says this, There are different kinds of service, but it's the same Lord. There's different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. We see, and this is in the context where he's talking about spiritual giftedness and how we're all different and we're all part of one body. So you might think what you have to offer is, well, it's not as important because, you know, the, the teachers, the people on the stage, that's the important ones. No, there's different things, but they all matter. God is working in you and through you. And it all matters. You're a gift to the church. Let's go back to the text. Ephesians chapter 4, now verse 13. So it's for the building of the church. Now look at this. He says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature, which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So he says, we're building of the church. Why? For the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. That we're working, to, we're working towards maturity. This is called discipleship, growing in our idea of who Jesus is. And how his life is lived out through us. And so as we give to one another, as we use our gifts, as we build up the church, it's for the unity of the faith and for the knowledge of the Son of God. So again, we're built on the person of Christ. It's this maturity as we learn more and walk in who Jesus is, what he has done, what he has accomplished. It's all that we are centered and rooted in him. Back to the text again, verse 14. 
As a result, so this is as we do this, as we use our gifts, as we are, are equipping the church, building, or for the works of service, building up the church, says this, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by every kind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, that is Christ. From whom the whole body and being is fitted and held together, but what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Look at this. What's the result? When we are building up the church and we're moving towards this unity of the faith and grounded in the knowledge of the Son of God, that what does it do? It keeps us from being tossed here and there by every new idea, every deceitful scheme that we hear about in our world. Because now we're finding our foundation is in Christ and in Christ alone. And you are that example of Christ to other people. You are the one that there might be times when you say, hey, I know the world seems crazy right now, but we want to point you back to Jesus. We're going to be founded in him and united in him. And he is our foundation. The truth of the scripture is what we start to build up and point each other to. And it keeps us grounded. Does that sound like good things? The answer is yes, it is. From the very beginning, the church has gathered. And when culture shifted and changed, they would gather and say, hey, let's, let's go deeper on this thought. Let's go deeper on this theology. Let's understand this rightly. Let's point each other back to Christ. You know, the church was founded. You might think that when Christ started the church, and we think of in the first century, that things were so much easier back then that culturally it already kind of was Christian. But actually, Jesus planted the church into a world that was going through a sexual revolution where all of a sudden there was no historic lines. Of, there was no normative. Everyone was kind of going after what they wanted. First century. The practice of infanticide and even uh, things like abortion were common in the first century. If you had a, a child and it wasn't that you wanted a son, you had a girl, you could let it die. It was, why? Because life didn't matter. This is the culture of the first century. People took life from each other. If you think of issues like human trafficking, women were just objects to be done with whatever you wanted as a male. This is the world that the church was planted in. So if we say, oh, it's gotten, now it's hard. It wasn't back then. It's been hard. But the church was grounded and rooted in Christ and not tossed around by every new idea. Isn't it amazing that we're 2,000 years later and the church is still here? This organization is still believing the same stuff. We're still encouraging each other the same things every day, every week after week. I don't know if that blows your mind, but how many other organizations are still holding strong after 2,000 years? Not a lot. I can't think of any, to be honest. But when we accept the gift that God has given us, we lean in for the building up of the church. You give your gift to each other. Centered and rooted in Christ, we have a firm foundation that will last Friends, I believe this world needs the church. It needs it. And the church needs you. We see here that we become stronger when we're all an active part of the body. That's what Paul is getting to. 
that when you're alone, the church isn't strong. The church is strong when we all contribute what God's given to us. And the church, the world needs the church. And here's the thing. Judith mentioned it, but she's blessed by serving. At first, maybe just said, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll volunteer because I feel like you're asking me to. I actually believe that when we talk about using our gifts in the church, it's not so the church has roles filled. Guess what? If we don't have enough volunteers, we'll, we'll do fewer things. That's just the way it is. If we're doing too many things to, cover, to fill the roles, then let's do less, fewer things. That's all. But I believe part of our discipleship is learning to step out and see how God uses you. I really believe you're going to find, as me, a 17-year-old who starts teaching 5th and 6th grade boys Sunday school, which, by the way, a few weeks ago, one of them called me just to encourage me. He's the chairman of his elder board at a mega church up in Washington. He was my 5th grade Sunday school kid in my class. That, that was part of my own discipleship. I didn't know what I was doing. In fact, I'm pretty sure if I went back and listened to everything I ever taught, it's like, ooh, it's amazing that these kids still made it. <laughs> but God doesn't need you to be perfect. He doesn't need you to have all the answers. He's, he wants to grow you through this process. So I'm going to invite Dom and Jake back up, who use their gifts, which is awesome. And I want to just point your attention to two things. On your seat or outside, uh, you have a form that says, finding your shape. Some of you might say, I don't even know how I'm gifted. Some of you, you clearly know. You know, like, I know what makes me thrive. Whatever. This is just a simple tool. We use it in our Rooted program. And uh, really quick, so you can see it, shape, this is adapted from Saddleback Church, and it, it's, it starts with what are your spiritual gifts, and for us, we don't over-spiritualize that because Scripture doesn't have just one place where they talk about it, but how has God given, gifted you? One of the ways we ask the question is this, when you see a need, what's your natural response? Some of you, immediately, it's, oh, I'm going to pray. I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to trust God to move. Some of you, you say, okay, I've got it. What needs to be done? I'll be over there, and I have a vacuum. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of the needs. Service is just who you are. Some of you, it's encouraging, comforting. I'll just sit with you and be with you. Others of you, you want to solve the problem. You want to organize something and get it done. That's your gifting. God has made you that way. The other things you can see, we, we go through, what's your heart? What do you, what's your heart break for? For some of you, it's young people. Well, guess what? God might have made you that way. Um, your abilities. I love this verse in Scripture. This was when they're building the tabernacle. In Exodus chapter 36, verse 1, it says this. So Bezael and Ohaliab, if you're looking for names for your kids, there you go. Um, and every other skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out the work of construction of the sanctuary are to work just as the Lord commanded. Look at this. Everyone who's been gifted and has the abilities. It's just, what are you good at? The other things we, we have on shape are personality. Your personality matters. You could see Judith was an introvert, kind of shy, so it's hard for her to be up there greeting people. <laughs> Obviously, a personality that was just overwhelmingly welcoming. And then your experiences. All of these things matter. They're, look at what Paul, his whole life, he's sent to the Gentiles. He was raised in theology. His experiences prepared him for teaching. 
and going to the Gentiles. He understood well the difference between a life under law and a life under grace. His experiences shaped him uniquely for that. Your life experiences have uniquely shaped you for something that someone around here can benefit from. Maybe something you've overcome, something you're going through, something you've been trained in. What is it that God has made you to experience? You might think that we're doing all of this just because all of a sudden we, we need more help. And the church can always use more. But we're doing this because this is what we're made for. And we want to invite you to be a part of experiencing what you're made for. And guess what? If you're serving somewhere and you say, this doesn't feel like I'm just struggling here, maybe that's not the right spot for you. We want to walk with you in that journey too. But today I want you to know that you matter to the person next to you. You matter to the person on the other side. You matter to the people who aren't here today. You matter. God's made you for a purpose. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this morning as we explore what it means to be the ecclesia, the called out people, and how it's not just the glamour gifts, maybe we could call them, the ones that everyone sees. God, every single gift, every experience, every break of our heart for something has been uniquely put in there by you for a purpose. And so God, would you just help us to walk in step with you and your spirit? Would you help us to respond to you in faith? And God, would you unite our church on the foundation of you God, none of this matters if it's about a program. None of it matters if it's about something that we're just trying to accomplish apart from you. God, we are, our foundation is you. So would you unite us on Jesus Christ this morning? So we thank you and we give you this time, God, in your name. Amen. Would you stand with us as we respond and just remind our hearts of what our foundation has found? like it's shaking and the rain is falling and the wind is blowing but our firm foundation of Christ he will not fail you and friends he's put people around you to remind you of that truth and to be that strength the church God we thank you that you don't expect us to be the foundation we thank you that no one in here has to be the rock that this church is built on we thank you that the hope of the world is not in any one of our ability to perfectly walk and follow you. Lord, it's in you. And Lord, you've invited us into this story and you won't fail. We praise you for that truth this morning. We thank you in your name.